Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. There are several foundations upon which an individual builds his life. Okay, several foundations. Some build their life on their career. In other words... They are defined by the work that they do. And outside of their career, they are probably nothing. Others define themselves by the connections that they have, the people that they know, the crowd that they hang out with. And outside those crowds, they have no identity. Others define themselves by the amount of money they have in their bank accounts. So that when you take away the money or something happens to their money, they are no longer the people that they, that other people know them to be. Some people build their life on the basis of the kind of power and the kind of influence that they are able to will. And if you take away the influence or you take away the power, you find out that they appear as if they are no longer in existence. Others build their life on their family. In other words, everything about them revolves around their family. Without their family, they are nothing. Okay? Of all the foundation, these are some of all the foundation that people build their lives upon. But one thing we find in this day and age where we find ourselves is that of all the foundation that people build their life, one foundation that is often ignored, especially in this our society and in this day and age, is the foundation of the foundation built on a covenant relationship with the Almighty God. Very few people are now interested. Very few people are interested in building that foundation. Gone are the days when if you walk, if you, if you are walking along the road, you know, and you talk about the issue of God, most people understood what you were talking about. Gone are the days when you lift up the scriptures, a lot of people recognize the authority of the scripture. They recognize the power of the scripture. They recognize the God of the scripture. But these days, when you are talking about it, a lot of people are even proud that they have no idea who that God is. So the foundation that most people that we are supposed to be building our life upon, if we want to see our life move in the direction that God wants us to go, is the foundation of a relationship with the covenant-keeping God. Now, since the beginning of the year, we have been talking about building a solid foundation and that will support what God wants to do in our individual life. And the reason we are doing this is because we know that how far you will travel in life, how far you will travel as a family, how far you will travel as an individual in your career, in your finances, in any area of your life, how far you will travel is a function of your relationship with the Almighty God. We also understand that if you are going to fulfill the purpose of God for your life, if you are going to do what God has called you to do on this side of eternity, you need to be able to have that relationship with the Almighty God. And if we are going to get to where God wants us to get to, there are three basic things you must understand. The first one you must understand is that you need to connect with this God who gives life. Because if he takes it, if he decides to take it, there is nothing you can do about it. If he says today is the end of it, there is nothing anybody can do about do about it. There is this thing that they used to write at the back of transportation back in my in the, in the neck of the wood where I come from. They say God has made a judgment. You want to appeal. Who do you want to appeal to? 
I mean, who do you want to, who do, who do you want, how can you challenge the decision of the Almighty God? You cannot. So, one thing, if you are going to make the most, if you are going to get to where God wants you to get to, if you are going to be, if you are going to travel far in life, you must understand, number one, that you need to connect with that covenant-keeping God. Number two, you must understand, it is one thing for you to connect with God, it's another thing for you to partner with Him. You need to have Him as your partner. Because if you don't have him as your, as your partner, you'll find that every other partnership that you form, you are limited. So number one, connect with him. Number two, partner with him. And then number three, if you are going to travel far, not only this year, but all through your life, you need to be able to trust and walk with that confidence. Because how can you walk with how can you How can you partner with him if you cannot trust him? How can you connect with him if you cannot trust him? How can you walk with the Lord if you cannot trust Him? Hebrews chapter 11, reading from verse number 6, the Bible tells us there. It says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God must believe that He is, and is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And from this verse of the scripture you will see that walking with the Almighty God is a function of faith. Because you don't see Him. The Bible says God is a spirit, and those who walk with him must walk with him what? In spirit and in truth. You have not seen him. You don't know. You have not seen. You don't know how he looks like. But if you are going to walk with him, the Bible is telling us that you must walk with him in faith. And faith, for your information, is a function of trust. Because if you don't trust something, you cannot have faith in that thing. I've used this example before. I'll use it again. I've always told you, if the chair upon which you are sitting right now, if you don't have the faith, if you don't trust the material with which that chair is built, if you don't trust the workmanship, if you don't trust the strength of the chair, you will not sit on it. You will not sit on it. Because you don't believe it's going to be able to carry your weight. You do not believe that it's going to have the strength to be able to carry who you are. So what happened? You will not sit on it. So faith rests on trust. In other words, you cannot have faith in God if you don't trust Him. You cannot walk with God if you don't trust Him. And why is that? Why is that? Why is it very difficult for people to have faith and walk with you? Why is it very difficult for you to not to be able to walk with God if you can't trust Him? The reason is because, the reason is because, what the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrew, go back to that Hebrews 11, again in verse number 6. It says, for without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is. In other words, the reason why trusting God is central to walking with him is because of the nature of God. Faith affirms and believes in the credibility and the ability of your almighty God. Number two, the reason why faith is important to working with the almighty God is because of the attributes of the almighty God. You have to believe. There has to be a confidence in the personality of the almighty God. So when we are talking about trusting the living God, when we are talking about working with the almighty God, what are we talking about? What does it mean to trust the almighty God? i give you some few examples. Some few definitions. Trusting God is not about a careless indifference. It's not about saying, okay, I'm going to check out my mind and yes, uh, there's this uh, French people that say, sera, sera, that what will be, will be. You know, that is not what trusting God is. Trusting God is about, is about having a definite assurance, a definite confidence based on what you know about that almighty God. Trust is not something that is nebulous. It's not something that happens when you come to church and you check out your brains. No. Trust is a very, very factual, empirical thing that can be, that can be, that can be calculated or, or verified. Because it's based on what you know about the personality of the Almighty God. Trusting God means placing confidence in the person and the character and the promises of the Almighty God. So when we say we are trusting God, what are we saying? We are talking, we are saying that we have assurance that He has our back. That's when we say I trust God. 
is because I know I have the assurance. Number two, when we say we trust God, we are saying that we have confidence that he will not let us down. When we say we trust him. When we say we trust God, we are saying that regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the situation that life throws at us, God, we can rely on God to come true for us. That's what, when, that's what we mean when we say we are trusting God. When we say we trust God, we are saying regardless of the situation and circumstances that I face every day, I can depend on God to be there for me. You cannot say that for every individual, but you can say that for the Almighty God. That's what we mean when we talk about, you know, when we talk about uh, trusting God. That is what we are referring to. We're talking about confidence. We're talking about dependency. We're talking about reliance. We're talking about the fact that, yes, you know that God always has your back. The question is, why are we so confident in this particular nature of God? What informs that confidence? What informs that reliability? What informs that particular assurance that we have? What is it about God that makes us to be able to trust Him? Why do we trust Him? Number one, is because of who He is. The Bible tells us in the book of Numbers chapter 23. Numbers 23, read from verse number 19. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said and he will not do it? Or has he spoken and will not make it good? In other words, when the Lord tells you this is it, you can take it to the bank. In other words, he never changes. God is not a man that he should lie. That is one of the reasons why we trust him. Why do we trust him? We trust him because of his faithfulness. The Bible says, your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. In other words, the Lord God Almighty is faithful. Even when we are unfaithful, he still remains faithful. And that is why when we are misbehaving, God is still blessing us. When we say things that are not glorifying his name, when you go out, he still allows his son to shine over your head. And can you imagine if I were God? You misbehave. You talk rubbish about me. When the minute you step out, I cause darkness around you. You are walking up and down like this. You are the only one walking in darkness. You need touchlight. That's to show you that I'm God. And, I, and you misbehave, I wipe your face. But God is a faithful God. He still allows the sun to shine over you. He still allows you to enjoy the benefit of all the things that he has created. Even when you are claiming that he does not exist. That's why we trust him. We trust him because of who he is. We trust him because of his faithfulness. We trust him because of his power. The Bible tells us in the book of Psalm 62. It said, God has spoken. Twice have I heard it that all power belongs to the Almighty God. The one that spoke the universe into existence. The one that said, Let there be light, and there was light. The one that breathed the breath of life into us. And now we can jump around and start making noise, all the noise that we're making. The Bible makes us understand that we trust Him because He has all the power. We trust Him because He is never changing. The same from age to age, from age to age, as he was in the past, so he is and so he will forever be. The Bible says Jesus Christ, who is the personification of the Almighty God, he says the same yesterday, today and forever. So that tells you that when you are trusting that kind of a person, when you are trusting that, person, that kind of a God, is a God that you can, you know that when he says he will do something for you, there is no changing. There is no change. That is why we trust him. That is why we depend upon him. But you know, it's one thing for you to say, I trust God. It's another thing, actually, it's a totally different thing to actually walk in that particular trust. How then do you demonstrate that you trust the Almighty God as an individual? How do you demonstrate it? Number one, you demonstrate it by dependence on a daily basis. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs chapter 3 that we read. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. 
In other words, if you want to tell God that you trust in him, you don't sit down and begin to calculate. And I think God can do this, but I don't think he can do this. So let me see if I can help him out. I think God can answer this particular prayer, but this one he will not answer. So let me begin to assist God. And that's what happened to Abraham. God knows the, his... I mean, Abraham is a very interesting human being. You are living in a place. God told you, get out of that place and start walking. And the guy started walking. God didn't tell him where he was going, and God told him that he was going to give him a child. A guy who you believed, and you packed all your property and walked out, and you started walking, and that God was walking with you and keeping you, and that God told you he was going to give you a son. And all of a sudden, somebody said, okay, maybe you are too old now. Maybe let's try this particular idea. And then you forgot about all your trust, all your dependency, all this while, and you did something. It's, 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 it's amazing. It's just amazing. But the idea is this. We show that we trust God when we depend upon him. We show that we trust God when we seek him. If you say you trust somebody, if you say you value somebody's opinion, if you say you respect that person's ideas, and you're about to make a major decision, and that person is the last person you talk to, and then you come and say, oh, you know, I value you very much. You know, I respect you very much. You know, I understand that you are a very smart guy. You are, you, but yet, you are about to take a decision that that person's idea or that person's wisdom will help and you refuse to consult that person. How are you demonstrating that you trust that person? That is what we do to the Almighty God. Oh God, you are wonderful, you are beautiful, you are whatever, you are whatever. And then something wants to happen, you are about to take a particular decision concerning your life or your marriage or your finance or whatever and you just refuse to talk to that same person that you say is all wise and all wonderful. How do you trust God? Number one, you depend on him. How do you trust God? Number two, you seek him. How do you trust God? Number three, you fear him. The Bible says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. When we talk about fear, we're not talking about a repressive fear. We're talking about an awe, a reverence, a respect that happens. You do not walk into the presence of somebody you respect and begin to act anyhow. You do not walk into the presence of the person, or the person you love and begin to use the same language that you use with your friends. You don't walk into the presence of the person that you really love and respect and begin to behave in an irreverent manner. You respect that person. You respect their presence. You respect their word. You respect the fact that that person is somebody that you hold in high esteem. The Lord is saying, if you say you trust me, respect me. That's what he told us in the book of Exodus. He said, do not take my name in vain. It is amazing how people can joke about the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, but they cannot joke about the name of their father or their mother like that. Can you imagine using the effing word concerning your father's name? You can't do that. But yet we say we trust the Almighty God and we, re, we use the word, we use the name of the Almighty God in any way. We want to make joke on radio and the name of Christ easily comes in. But they cannot do that with the other people. You can't do that. So how do you trust the Lord? You trust Him by depending on Him. You trust Him by seeking Him. You trust Him by doing what? By fearing Him. You trust Him by shunning evil. In other words, the Lord has told you, these are the things that I like. These are the things I do not like. The Lord is saying that if you really, really trust me, then don't do those things that piss me off. Don't do it. If you love your dad, you don't continue to piss him off. It's just like you just are happy seeing your father go off the ledge. You are just happy seeing him go crazy. You don't do that. And that is what the Lord is saying. If you really love me, he said, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. But most importantly, if you say you really trust the almighty God, you do what the Bible tells in the book of Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9. He said, honor the Lord with your wealth. With the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled with overflowing. And your verts will brim over with new wine. 
In other words, you honor the Lord with your substance. You love somebody, you trust that person, you respect that person. What do you do? You honor those individuals. You place them at the place of honor, the place of esteem. And the Bible is saying that, how do you do it? Honor the Lord with your first fruits. That's what the Lord is saying. If you say you really trust me, I want to see you honor me with your first fruit. And this is how we as Christians demonstrate our love and our trust to the living God. Now, this last point... This last point, trusting God with, you know, trusting God by honoring him with your first fruit is where we are going to dwell for the remaining part of this message. Okay? And if I want to, and before we go on, I want you to cast your mind back to what we did, a series that we did sometimes last year, I think in July last year, we did a series on the covenant blessings of God. And one of the covenants we talked about were the covenant blessings of prosperity. And in that particular discussion, we talked about the principle of the seed. We talked about the principle of sowing. We talked about the principle of offering. And then we also talked about the principle of the first fruit. During our, during that particular study, I told the church, that one of the things that uh, one of the things that we are going to institute as part of our yearly tradition is that the very last Sunday of every first mo- of every January in this church, we are going to take up what is called the first fruit offering. Okay, and each year and each Sunday, sorry for this, is the beginning of this month. Uh, beginning of this month, if you look at the bulletin very closely, we have been saying this day is going to be the day that we present our first fruit offering to the Almighty God. Now we are doing this. We're presenting it because we understand that the Lord God Almighty honors his words when the people of God take him up on that word. So you see, at the beginning of every year, we're hoping to be able to make sure that our lives conform to the things of God. And many of us, at the beginning of the year, you made plans. You've made your own ideas. You have an idea of what the, of, of what the year will look like. You are looking ahead to make, your, to, to make things better for yourself. Many of us want to be successful in one area or the other. And the principle of the first fruit is the key that many of us need to be able to unleash the supernatural hands of the Almighty God. It's not because we are lazy. It's not because you are, you are going to sit down in a la-la land and just uh, fold your leg and hope that God will break up your ceiling and throw down cash to you. No. But we are saying that the, 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 the first fruit offering is a door that the Lord God Almighty will use to be able to open up his blessings upon us. Now, before we present that first fruit offering at the end of this service, I wanted us to have an understanding of what I'm talking about. What this first fruit is all about. Let's turn our Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Reading from verse number 3. Genesis 4, reading from verse number 3, the Bible tells us, In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But Cain, he did not respect for his, and, and, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. From this verse of the scripture you see, the Lord is telling us about two offerings. One offered by Cain, one offered by Abel. And the Lord is saying that he accepted Abel, but he rejected Cain. The question is why? There are two offerings that were presented to the Almighty God. But why was one accepted and why was the other one not accepted? Why was Cain's offering rejected? We'll come to that later. Go to the book of Genesis, the book of Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. We want to start reading from verse number 18. The Bible says, And you by all means abstain from the accustings, lest you become accursed when you take of the accustings and make the cup of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and the gold and the vessels of bronze and of iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. From this verse of the scripture, the Lord is saying, Joshua, you are about to go into that particular land of Jericho. You are going to fight, you are going to win. Everything you get, I do not want you to take anything 
I want you to take everything you get and bring it to the treasury. The question is why? Why were they forbidden from taking that particular spoils of that war? Why? Why were they commanded to carry the gold and all the things that they get to the treasury? Why? The reason is very easy. The reason for this is based on the principle of the first fruit. And as we go on, you are going to continue, you are going to see as we begin to explain. The question is, what is the first fruit? What is the first fruit? The first fruit is God's way of blessing his children. The first fruit principle is a principle of putting God first in all things, especially in our finances. In other words, the first fruit is about God taking the first place in your life. It's about God being the priority in your life. It's about God having the first dip in everything that pertains unto you. It's about God taking the preeminent place in everything that pertains unto you. In other words, the first thing when you wake up in the morning, you give your first fruit of the day. And that is what you do. You talk to the Almighty God before you do any other thing. Before you go to bed at night, you do the same thing. That that's why we ask you that when you, you put God first in everything. That is the principle behind the idea of the first fruit. Exodus chapter 20, reading from verse number 2. The Bible says, I am thy God, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The Lord is basically saying, I want to be number one in your life. Can you imagine you are married to somebody and you get your first paycheck? And then before you get home, you get to that particular other woman that you are keeping. And then you first of all distribute the money to that woman first. And by the time you get home, the woman asks you, I thought today is your payday. You say, yes. What happened? Uh, you know, uh, and there's a particular issue that I'm dealing with in this year. I've taken care of that one. In my excuses the first day, in the first month. In my excuses the second month. On the third month, you begin to ask you, something is wrong somewhere. We need to have a conversation. How is it that you get, you have your first, you get your, you get your salary and you go and take care of that particular business that you have in DC? Why? What is going on? This is what the Lord is saying. I am the Lord, your God, that brought you out of the land of bondage, out of the house of bondage. He is the one that redeemed us. He is the one that died on the cross for us. He is the one that saved us. And he's saying, thou shalt have no other God before me. In other words, nobody should come before me in, my, in your relationship with me. Because God is a jealous God. He wants to be number one. And that is the essence of this thing that is called the first fruits. That is the essence. It is not about collecting offering. Please understand that. It's not about collecting offering. It's not about the money. It's about priority. It's not about the money. It's about positioning. It's not about the money. It's about putting God first in your life. Can you imagine if you are married to somebody or you are dating somebody and the first thing that person wakes up in the morning because you don't want to disturb their sleep, you text them and you say, oh, my sunshine this morning, I want to say thank God for you. I am so happy that you are part of my life. And you do that every morning. What do you think you are going to You already give a spring, a bounce to that person's life. Because as soon as they wake up in the morning and they see that text, oh my God, they are walking on cloud nine. You understand? Because they know somebody is thinking about them. They know that the first thought in their mind of that person is you. They know that you are thinking about them. That you know that they, you, they know that you are, they are special to you. And that's what the Lord is saying. Put me first in your life. Put me first in your life. That's what he tells in the book of Matthew chapter 6. In verse 33, he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. In other words, seek God first. Put God in the place, the place, of, uh, place of priority. Put him first. Put him in the place of position, in the place of preeminence. And then he see that he will add every other thing unto you. But if you reverse the train, it becomes a different story. So when we talk about the first book, we are talking about the principle of divine precedence. 
puts God first in all things. When we talk about the principle of first fruit, we're talking about by divine ownership. He is the one that owns everything. And he's asking you, just test me. Give it back to me. It's just like you remember when you have all these little kids. And they get you, a kid comes to visit you and you give him something. Or probably they give you a box of cracker. Or give you a box of candy. And then you ask that kid to give you one out of that. And the kid is saying no. You begin to look at this kid. What's wrong with you? I gave you the whole box. It was mine in the first place. And I can still take it away from you. And that's how we behave when it comes to the almighty God. God owns everything. And he's just asking you, give it back to me. There is a song we used to sing in the, in, the, in the neck of the wood where I come from. They say God does not eat burger. He doesn't take, he doesn't go to McDonald's. He doesn't eat Burger King. What he eats is your praise. And what he, your praise is a function of what? Is a function of the priority that you give to the Almighty God. When you put him first, what happens is that he begins to attend to you. So the first food principle is the principle number one of prayer. Divine precedence is the principle of divine ownership. It's the principle of divine appropriation. Every God give, give unto God what belongs to God. Because if you take what belongs to him, I can assure you he will come back and get it. I can assure you. So it's a principle of divine appropriation. It's a principle of divine positioning. You mean you put him first. It's a principle of divine dependency. In other words, I'm giving it unto you and I'm depending upon you to supply all my needs. It's a, the principle of divine activation. Because once you release it, what happened? He begins to respond back on It's also a principle of faith. It's a, faith, it's a principle that says, I believe what you said and I'm putting it into practice here. Take what you have given to me, and then I will see if the heavens will not be open unto me. And that is why the, the offering of Abel was accepted, and that of Cain rejected. If you go back to that Genesis chapter 4, the Bible says, in the process of time, look at verse number 3, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. Look at the word that I underlined on the screen. In the process of time. This simply means that when Cain had time, when Cain finally got around to doing what he was supposed to do, in other words, Cain was busy pursuing other things. Cain was busy doing some other thing. God was not his priority. God was not top on the agenda. He said, in the process of time, when he has done a lot of things and he now felt, okay, what else do I need to do? Oh, there is this person called God, and I think I should give him something. That is what is happening here. Cain gave his offering after he had taken care of all other stuff. He brought his own leftover. And then God, because God does not, is not a beggar, God will not accept leftovers. God did not accept his boy, his leftover, so God rejected it. But look at that same chapter 4. Look at that same verse of the scripture. In verse number 4, the Bible says, But Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock. In other words, as soon as his flock gave birth, he took that firstborn. And brought it to the Almighty God. It was not something that he was thinking about. It was not something that he did out after he has, you know, taken care of other business. He brought it when he was, you know, when the, when that, when his uh, flocks gave back. Before Abel did any other thing, he took that thing and gave it to the Almighty God. In other words, he gave his very best. He put God first. And that was why God respected. Okay? That was why God respected the offerings of Abel. I want you to understand one thing. He surrendered to God the very first thing that came into his hands. Not even knowing if his flock will continue to produce. Yet he surrendered that particular thing and God saw that response. God saw the difference in the two attitudes and God respected one and rejected the other. God's God's response to the man who recognized and respects him was definitely going to be different from the man who remembers God at convenience. Do you think that if you are just talking to God every now and then, your relationship with God will be as good as the one that, as good as the person that talks to him every day. There's going to be. Different. 
You look at the relationship, the interpersonal relationship we have with people. If there is somebody that you are constantly in contact with, not because you need something, just to check up on their health, just to see how good things are going with them. If you are checking up on them, you see the people, those individuals will know that you have their interest at heart and your relationship will be different. But imagine that particular brother or imagine that sister or that friend or that co-worker that only knows where your phone number is the day that they are in trouble. Or they want, they want to find out information. Or they are thinking about doing something else and they need an extra hand to be able to help them set the table or clean the hall or do something. If you know, you know those kind of people. We all have one or two of those kind of people in our life. How do you characterize your relationship with such people? It's not the same. And that is why when you put God first, God puts you first in His life. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Thank you.